Well, I'm really pleased to be here this morning, as every week, but especially this morning. And Dave gave me this challenge of uh, reading from this verse we're going to read in a minute. And I had lots of fun with this, actually, um, so I'm quite excited. Um, so, to start with, it's from Luke 7, um, 11 to 17. And I'm reading from the NIV version. Luke 7, 11 to 17. And it's titled, uh, here it's titled, Jesus Raised a Widow's Son. So, soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with, along with him. And he approached the town gate. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bear they, they were carrying him in, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. What an amazing story. What an amazing story. So I heard a story recently about a young preacher who was asked to preach at a funeral. Now he had no prior experience, um, so this was all new to him, so he was a little bit worried. Um, so he thought, I know what I'll do, I'll see what Jesus did. I'll look at how he modelled it in the Bible. Yet, Search as he might, he could not find a single place where Jesus met or went to a funeral and the dead person didn't walk away alive. <laughs> no helping Jesus. Big boots to fill. I could just imagine it. Jesus is coming to a funeral and his couple of friends. Shame about Bob, isn't it? Such a guy's man. Oh, look, who's that? That guy over there. You know, the one with the long hair and the big beard and the white jacket. English Jesus. <laughs> He's going to do a miracle here, I can just imagine it. Certainly puts fun in funeral, doesn't it? So let's paint the picture. We have Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is going around all the towns and villages, um, spreading the good news um, about the kingdom of God. And along the way, he's got his disciples with him, and he's, a crowd is forming. It says here in the text that a crowd is with him on his way. And he's getting a lot of attention. Now I was looking at this and he'd travelled actually sort of southwest of where he was, 25 miles. So people pick, picking people up on the way. I mean, that's devotion, I think, 25 mile walk. He probably didn't pop in his Ferrari down to the, the next village. So uh, this was, this was, there was a lot of buzz about this, okay? Um, so he was heading into this town and there was another crowd coming the other way. But obviously the buzz of this crowd that were Jesus, the other crowd, there was a different vibe that was going on. There was a funeral procession. There was a weeping mother, um, possibly dressed in widow's clothes, as she's identified in here. Um, and she's with her friends and the community around her, helping carry her son out. So when I was sort of like looking at this, I had to almost be in that position, it's a really horrible thing to think of losing a child or anyone or a loved one. But actually seeing this, this is where Jesus had compassion. 
Um, so we don't know why she was a widow. We don't know why her son had died. But in this, it's, that's, that's not really important. The important information here, tell us about the mother, is that she lost everything. You get that very, it's very obvious here in this text. Luke Sterling has explained that she's lost everything. She's got fat, uh, friends around her that are helping the community getting together, but she's lost her son. Now, I believe that uh, in the tradition in this time that the children would raise up and look after their parents. So she was vulnerable in every sense because she'd lost her, you know, her, her only son. Um, she'd lost her future. You know, she'd lost everything. We instantly see the narrative through Jesus' eyes because he had compassion. Jesus' motivation for the miracle that took place was his compassion. In this version, we read that she cried. In some versions, she wept, says, vocalising her pain, her brokenness. She was crying out. As anyone of you who's lost a loved one, the pain that you go through. It's important to note that the widow was not expecting to meet Jesus. Now, this is the bit that sort of gives me goosebumps because this is just amazing. But despite her suffering and her pain, her hurt and her brokenness, she met with Jesus. Amen? Amen. She wasn't looking for it, but she met with Jesus. She physically met with him. What an encounter. An opportunity to meet Jesus in the flesh. There is no one better to meet on the road of suffering than Jesus. And as we read here, he said, once he met her, he says, don't cry. Then he went up, he touched the, ch- the, the boy or the young man and said, wake up. And everyone says here, the ma- dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What an amazing miracle. What an amazing moment there. He had compassion. But this is a picture of what God is doing in his kingdom today. It's still happening. Where he's coming to meet with us. Meeting with us all the time. And it's giving, you know, when we see the opportunities where we can actually uh, meet Jesus on a road of suffering. Whatever we're going through in this, in this life. And the key point I wanted to reflect on this morning was God works in and through us when we are broken. Sometimes we need to be broken. Now, I was thinking the other day about uh, times when I might have felt broken. I was like, having a conversation with myself as I do, and I'm like, when was I broken? I mean, I like, broke my hand a couple of years ago, but no, that's not what we're talking about. Um, I know when my favourite football team was relegated from the Premier League, I was fairly broken then. But that's not really it. Oh, hang on, I know. When someone's eating all the nice chocolates and you're just left with the bounty. Broken, absolutely broken. But I do remember a time when uh, recently, well, it was a couple of years ago actually, when we were in the other hall, and I'd had a bad week at work, and uh, I can't even remember what the what it was, but I felt broken, and I didn't want to be there. I was leading worship at the time, and we prayed at the beginning, and at that moment I felt broken inside, 
and I just brought it down in tears. And, and you know, we watched the team go around, we had a little cuddle and a pray. And uh, in that moment, I felt God sort of whisper, "Don't worry, Simon, I've got this." And uh, He showed up in a in a powerful way that morning. And I couldn't have done it. You know, I could have strived all I wanted, but in that moment, I had to be broken and surrender because it was it was God that needed to do the work, not me. And um, and I felt God really showed up in a powerful way. And I think. Sometimes we get better results when we are completely broken for God. God works in wonderful ways when we're in the good times, when we're in good seasons. But I don't know, there's something about like a deep, deeper level when God, God intervenes in those broken times, when we, we really sacrifice everything. We choose to hand things over to him and it often has life changing you know results in life changing events or life changing style or you know ways we live our life after that do you feel broken this morning have you ever felt like life is pointless has no meaning do you need to be set free from something this morning whether it's addiction or that depression or anxiety or worry. Maybe you need to be raised from the dead this morning. The widow losing her husband and her son would have made her feel alone. You know, you hear about like sort of the process that someone when they go through losing someone, their grief. They they, they, they there's all sorts of emotions that come over them and they feel angry and they feel like unable to accept their loss but they also feel alone feel like no one can identify with how they feel and we are not alone whatever situation we're in this morning we're not alone I think people need to hear that and no matter what you're going through we need to be vocal about it as well we need to be able to share and speak things through we need to come together and uh, just be open and honest with one another. Speak to someone. We live in a broken world too. But it's not any worse than it was years ago. We just have better ex access to it. TV, internet. We're sorry. What? You know, we can see anything that's happening in the world. So things haven't changed, but we think it is still like getting worse and getting broken. And maybe to an extent there is some truth in that, but we're just able to access it more and see how broken our country is divided and there's suffering and injustice in all aspects of life. But we need to start being more vocal, being shelters, be more passionate speaking out for those that don't have a voice you know I, lo I love it when I see like on Facebook or whatever for platform that you might be on that sort of mental awareness mental health awareness you know just speaking out about it but the royal family have done a great job of sort of kicking the taboo about that and I, and I think that's really important that we, we, we speak about it more 
we're more open about it. And it's really important, the awareness. And you know, some people can hide it well, and we've already shared, had shared this morning. But actually, when we actually talk these things through, we realise that people are there for us, and God is too. I believe we're a compassionate church. I also believe we're here to help people grow in faith, encourage them, and inspire them. And Jesus healed, he restored, and he saved many lives through his ministry. He inspired others to do the same in his name. <coughs> I had the 12 disciples, you know, he was gearing them up for doing his work. Go and do the Lord's work. When people are inspired, they become creative, they become bold, they become, become empowered, vocal, passionate people. Do you want to see that in the church? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <clears throat> Let's have a look at verse 16. It says, A great prophet has appeared amongst us. And what was he referencing there? What were they trying to say? Now, I looked into this and I found that there were other occasions in the Bible where widows, sons were raised, or where mothers especially had sons that died and then they were brought back to life. And two in particular were in 1 and 2 Kings so the first one was in 1 Kings 17 17 to 24 and it was about Elijah Elijah revised the woman's son I've got this in the New King James Version now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him so she said to Elijah, What have I to do do what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O God, O Lord my God, you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son. And I stretched, and he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O oh Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to life. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he was revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down the, from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said, Now by this I know you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is your mouth, is the truth. Amazing. Another example. So this, this story probably was potentially sort of remembered from that time, and that's what they were referencing to, that another occasion when God, a, a miracle had been performed. And then, interestingly enough, the other one was actually in, in 2 Kings, um, 4, 32-37. Uh, the mother wasn't a widow, but her um, husband was very old. 
in fact, um, she, I encourage you to read that at a later point, but um, she'd asked God to, to provide her with a son, and Elisha, and they, they did have a son, um, but then he was cruelly taken away from her, and she went and she sought after Elisha, to, and she was desperate to get him to heal and bring his son back, and, that, and that's what happened. Um, but what I, I, I wanted to point out was that Elisha, his, his, his work that he did was actually part of being inspired by Elijah, because he was the, his predecessor. So Elijah had been doing this work for God and doing some miraculous things, and Elisha was so sort of like, he was following around going like, I want to do, I want a bit of you. And actually, it sort of references in, um, uh, I think it's the beginning of the Kings, before Elisha is, uh, Elijah is sent up to heaven, which is all how all the greats go up, I imagine, in the chariot. And uh, Elisha's like, I want a double portion. I want a double portion of what you've got. I want, I want what you've got. And, and so that he was inspired. Okay, like, it wasn't just Elijah as a person, but he saw what God could do. And he was like, I want to be like that. I want to have God in my life in that way, because that's amazing. And he was inspired. And we see other people that were inspired as well. And um, I think that's amazing. Please let me have a double portion of spirit upon me. That's what Elisha said. When people are inspired, they become creative, they become bold, empowered, vocal, passionate people. And I want to see more of that. So as a church, we're in a season where we're starting to see a dream become a reality. So talking about our own building, it's been something that we've like longed for for a long time. Uh, and, and it's coming closer and closer. I'm sure we were quite rooted in the ground at this at this point, but it's still very exciting. Um, but it got me thinking of our own personal dreams, what we want to achieve in life. Reading these passages about the widow in the way that she lost her son, how many of us have lost our dreams and aspirations? Did you birth an idea, like your little baby, and then that you were proud of and you longed to see grow and then something bad happened something disrupted that and you felt you lost it you felt you lost it all it's interesting because me and Vicky, as some of you might be aware we um, we're looking to move house and we put it up on the market in October and Within a couple of weeks, we got a buyer, and then we started looking around for a house that we really wanted. And every time we found a house that we really liked, we asked and sort of prayed together, and we said, look, Lord, if this is your will, close the door or open the door. That was, we wanted it to be that obvious. We wanted to you know, be as obvious as that. If this is not right for us, close the door straight away, make it obvious. And there was a time when we'd like tried, we'd, we attempted a bidding war with a, another couple, but within minutes we got a phone call back to say that that, that wasn't the question, they, their, their, their price was too high. So it was like, well that's great. It was a bit devastating, but actually at least we know that that isn't right for us. So then we did find a place and we put an offer in and that was accepted. 
and for a while there we were like this is great we're just waiting for all the solicitors to do their thing and just the long process it's drawn out anyway um, but we got to two weeks ago I believe a couple of weeks ago and we got devastating I got a text at work devastating news that our bio had pulled out we only we were probably looking at a, about a month or so before we were moving absolutely gutted and we'd looked at the, the house we were going to buy and we'd like we already planned where well say we Vicky had planned where the walls were going to be knocked down <laughs> she was like the walls knocked down there that's going there that's going there and all I'm thinking is I'm going to have to do all this <laughs> but it, you know, that's, that's what you do, you, you dream about what you want. Because this is going to be our forever home, that's what we didn't plan on moving again. We certainly don't want it anymore now, <laughs> stressful enough. But um, yeah, we wanted to, we, we dared to dream about this house and what the potential it could be for us as a family. And to have that kind of pulled away, it was like, it really kicked you in the teeth, it really pulled you down and it was, it was, it was really frustrating. We went through those sort of various elements of emotion, anger, frustration, not wanting to believe that we were going to potentially lose the house that we wanted because we couldn't have a buyer for our house, we didn't have the money. So we were like, what do we do? So we do what, well, I do whatever most blokes do go down the pub and have a beer and pray about it. But uh, we. <laughs> After, <laughs> after um, some thought and prayer about it, and a bit of fasting as well, um, I was like, we need to be wise about this and decide what God wants. Um, but for both of us individually, me and Vicky, in, in our own ways, we kind of like, it got to a point at the beginning of this week where we had like 15, 20 viewings, it was a load of viewings, lots and lots of viewings, and not really had any concrete buyer, people have put in these offers but couldn't actually provide evidence they could afford it and we were like, just, just so draining, I was like going to give up and actually at that point I realised, and as I was preparing for this on, on the Monday, I was thinking I need to just surrender it and not worry and actually hand it over to God and then I felt a bit of a peace and that was the end of that and then we got sort of our hopes put up on Wednesday, I think it was, when someone had put in an offer and they were just going into the um, state agency to put in the paperwork for everyone was like, okay, we might hear some news. It's like, well, I won't get too excited just yet because we've been here before. Friday morning, get a text from Vicky, we've sold our house. And he went, and I ask myself now, I was like, why did we go all through that? Because we'd said to God, like, if this isn't for us, shut the door, make it obvious. We don't want to have to go through all this pain and suffering for unnecessarily if we could have avoided it. But maybe, ironically, it was just so I could share it here this morning. For those like, last two weeks of us just kind of not sure what we're going to do, was just me and Vicky just surrendering, being broken and actually saying, Lord, this whatever your will. If this is not for us, then you've got something better. <coughs> and I think at that point that we actually surrendered, 
that that's where God was like, okay, leave it to me. Because in these situations, a lot of it is out of our hands. Buying and selling, it's all, it's all out of our hands, isn't it? You feel helpless. How many people have felt like this in various ways, where they've had a dream or they've felt that the Lord wants them to do something and for whatever reason their hopes have been destroyed. And I don't believe that that has to stay that way. I believe that people here this morning need to hear that their dreams can be resurrected. That Jesus, meeting with Jesus, that Jesus is going to bring those dreams back to life. But we need to be in a place of brokenness. We need to be in a place of brokenness for him. I just wonder if I could ask Steve to come back up and just play for a bit. And I'd like to give an opportunity for some prayer. And I think we can all respond in, in some way. If we just sort of pray for a minute and then anyone who feels that they need prayer for any of these things we've spoken about this morning, about feeling broken, about feeling at the end of themselves, feeling like their dreams have just fallen apart, that you would put, be brave enough to put your hand up. And I wonder if the, those of us who are able to pray, we could actually go out to those in in their seats so we can meet with Jesus can be meet with you this morning in your place and we can pray for you yeah Lord <coughs> I thank you for the miracles you performed years ago but also the miracles you're doing today I thank you for the church Thank you for the passion you have for us and the compassion that we have for others that are lost. But Lord, I pray that you speak to us this morning. I pray for that anyone here that's feeling broken and torn and feeling alone, feeling like they've got nowhere else to go, that they will really have an encounter with you that will be life transforming Lord that anyone that's lost their hope or the meaning in life what God has planned for them that you would reveal it to them maybe you don't have a dream yet but Lord I pray that it would be birthed in them this morning Speak to us this morning, Lord. Revive those dreams that have potentially died. Bring us back to life in whatever situation we're in.